Hello, Looney listeners. You're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm Mrs. Sissy, host the second. And I'm your other host, Stephen Grant, multi-millionaire, but not quite billionaire. And this week, we learn more about what to expect from Bemis' new run, some more new figures to keep an eye on, and we continue with our review of issue four of Lemire's most recent run, and throw back to a certain sheep faces appearance in Iron Man. It's your 161. So grab out your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conch on. Okay, loony listeners, we are at episode four of Into the Night. Thanks for for joining us again. Yes, it's uh, it's great to be back, and we again have a lot yeah, um, to discuss. Wow. Tonight, uh, Connor. Yeah, what, what did how how do you see the last week unfurl? Yeah, I mean, I really thought we got um we got like the big interview for CBR, and then that'd kind of be it. And but mm. not we got a uh, one figure announcement, possibly two. We got more information on the mm-hmm. run. We got more solicitations. It's it's going nuts. We're blessed. Yeah. It's a, a great follow-up to the big news last week. So, uh, without any further ado, let's get into it. Um, yeah. The first article uh, that we we saw was the Max Bemis uh, article. Uh, it was an interview on uh, the Marvel, Marvel website. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this was quite an in-depth interview. Yeah. I, yeah, like this sort of... And it's also all new information, you know, you read the previous one, now you jump onto this, and it's like a whole new series of stuff coming out, and maybe stuff that Marvel's only letting him tell now on their, his own, on their own side. Yeah, I really liked uh, how they really kind of questioned, um, although, you know, he's probably withholding a lot of information, um, as you do at Marvel, mm-hmm. but I really like how he delved into... Um, how he's going to tackle Moon Knight's uh, multiple identities, yeah, uh, and also yeah, and and also the uh, the big bad, which um, we all kind of know now as as Horus or the Sun God. Um, so, uh, first thing off from the interview, I mean, they've released that um, issue number one eighty eight will be released on the eighth of November, um, and uh, issue one eighty nine will be followed on the twenty ninth of November. Twice monthly. Woo. Yeah, yeah. So I hope. Um, well, Connor, you picked it. Uh, picked it like yeah. a dirty nose. But um, uh, look, even if it's just this first month of November, and then it goes into monthly, that's fine as well. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, in hindsight, I wouldn't really uh, prefer uh, a bi-monthly as a regular thing because just just because I think it, it um, impacts on the artist's mm. uh, quality. Um, yeah, we most likely expect- wouldn't get a yeah, consistent artist with the twice monthly, and I hope that's what we get, just Bemis and um, mm. Burrows. And Burrows, yeah, because then you start getting fill-ins, and like, some of them are okay, but, um, you know, sometimes they're, they're kind of really, it's really obvious that they're rushed. Mm. So uh, I'm hoping at least these two first issues will be, you know, will be quality stuff, and, you know, if we go into to monthlies after that, then that's totally fine. Uh, Connor, what would um, what would you say kind of stuck out for you in the interview? Uh, I think the part he talks a lot about, um, there's themes of mental illness I'll get to in a sec, but I think the first one is when he sort of talks about Mark Spector as a person, you kind of, how he sort of fights dirty, but he's still trying to be a good guy and sort of that duality of a, a sort of a very violent hero and a man just trying to make himself better. 
Yeah, it's a really, um, really interesting point. Uh, it's it's kind of obvious, but you don't really realise it until I guess Bemis says it out well says it out loud in the interview. And like, um, it's totally true. Like Mark Spector is is a really violent and and uh, quite brutal person, but juxtaposed to that, he's really trying to do something good. So, um, it's uh, I don't know. You can kind of make similarities with the Punisher, but um, the Punisher to me is He's kind of totally crossed the line. Yeah. You know, Moon Knight's mm-hmm. reined himself in while Punisher was just let out and never just crossed the line. And, and I like um, from the interview as well, so Bemis talks about um, chaos and order and how that's reflected basically not only within Moon Knight himself, but uh, with his new big bad um, enemy, which will be... Uh, he's called The Truth, right? Yeah, the truth is we've got now um, solicitations as well, with an interesting point in that being that uh, he makes his um, his victims commit suicide. It doesn't look like he may not even actually have a hand in fighting and just seems to be sort of a mental affliction that causes them to take their own life, which is an, an interesting spin. Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely a lot more chilling, I think. You know, mm. if, you, if you're a bad guy and you get someone to just kill themselves, uh, certainly in the mental realm, uh, and, and that kind of fits with Moon Knight anyway. I mean, the whole thing with Moon Knight is his mental illness, so you've got this big bad that uh, can mentally affect um, his or her victims, uh, so it seems quite apt that they're kind of... Um, they'll be going up head-to-head. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool in the interview was the talk about... Um, Bemis was talking about the subplot. Um, so, obviously, the the main plot will be battling, you know, this big bad and, and, and you know, battling a lot of, lot of enemies. Um, the, the subplot would be the emotional aspects, I think, of each of the identities. And what I found really interesting and uh, really good was that um, he's not going to shy away from the personalities, you know. So Lemire concentrated so much on the identities um, of Moon Knight, uh, and we talked about, yeah, maybe we'll get a supernatural element, but it's good to see that Beamer sticks with the with the identity um, aspect of, of Moon Knight, and uh, basically who's going to, or who's in control of who out of his personalities, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, I love that um, carry-on from Lemire's run there where sort of as we got through the run and you'll see as we go through it that by the end, you know, there's almost this sort of conversation like like it's Mark's head's a house and everyone's sort of a housemate inside of it and they seem to like pass the bat on and actually have conversations that look like it could be really interesting mm-hmm. to see in the, in, a, in the real or real world back where he's fighting villains in New York. Yeah, and you have Stephen Grant, who's meant to be this upstanding, um, you know, quite clean-cut um, personality of Mark, which we all know, and Bemis talks about Jake Lockley. Actually, interestingly, he, he talks about Jake Lockley being as close to, like, the dark side or the yeah. evil part of Mark, which I found, I mean, you and I both like Jake Lockley. I never really saw him as as evil. I mean, he's a street-level guy, right? Um, he's kind of... He know he's got his ear close to the ground, but I would never call him evil. So it'll be interesting to see how Bemis kind of weaves that into into Jake Lockley. Yeah, he calls him a borderline bad person. Well, not bad because Mark isn't evil, but he's as close to bad as Mark can get. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I personally, I would have thought Mark Spector kind of fits that bill. 
I mean, he's a mercenary and, you know, he's killed people. So I, I would have thought Mark would have been veering more towards a bad side. And, and, he, and he, um, he worked with the Bushmen as well. So it's quite an interesting take from Bemis. Um, not saying it's good or bad, but, uh, yeah, let's see how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, as well, um, Bemis mentions, uh, basically, it's dark. And... Um, uh, with Jason Burroughs' art and his history, I I can't see it being anything but dark. Yeah. Um, you've seen some of the artwork, yeah, from Jason Burroughs? Yeah, very intense. I could never get into Cross, and that's where I sort of know him best from seeing screenshots of yeah. that over the years. Yeah, well, I think we had um we had a brief discussion with Adam, I think, on yes. the uh, Into the Night um, group, yeah. And he was... He seemed mortified by what he saw. He Googled it. Yeah, no, I was kind of like uh, hesitant to, but I did myself and uh, I Googled it. And yeah, it's definitely quite heavy. So we're going to get a really dark, I think. I mean, it's not going to be that bad. Marvel will censor it, I'm sure. But it's going to be quite dark. And and again, I like how Mark... uh, Not Mark. I like how Max Bemis uh, mentions uh, if you kind of want to... Something along the lines, if you want to read the comic at night or if you want to, you know, immerse yourself in the night time, this is the comic to do it. So um, it sounds, yeah, it sounds quite um, quite ominous and it's quite sinister. And he sort of puts some worries to rest when people are kind of worried about a, um, a comedy writer with the, I, I like this line here where it's weird and sometimes funny, but it's super dark. And that's just like a line that encapsulates the yeah. one for Bemis himself. Definitely, it's it's reminiscent of what we've heard before about um, the likes of uh, David uh, David Lynch's films <laughs> or, um, or or Fargo, where it is it can be quite funny, um, but it is ultra dark. You know, it's it's total black comedy. So uh, yeah, just looking forward to to that with uh, at least Bemis's first arc. Um, he seems quite excited by the first arc, and he's saying, uh, I think he ends the article saying. Um, you know, people who who don't know Moon Knight, this is a good jumping on point, and and those that are fans, um, it's, things are going to change. So um, that might scare a few fans, but uh, I'm quite uh, excited at the the prospect. Yeah, and just uh, just another mention on sort of the whole role of mental health. I like that he sort of talks about his mental health being fifty fifty between anarchy and morality, and then sorry that sometimes he seems in control, but yet there's still always that sort of glimpse of the anarchy inside his head. So that was a really interesting, mm. interesting tidbit. Yeah, so as a, as a reader, um, you'll never, I mean, obviously we all side with Moon Knight, but you're just never too, I guess you're never too 100% comfortable with <laughs> with what he'll do or his actions because uh, you don't know whether he'll just flip. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, a, a really good article. Uh, just a couple of other things. Um, Bemis also makes mention in the article um, that the arc, or the first issue at least, will be kind of structured like a Marvel movie, which uh, I'm, I'm excited about because if it's got that kind of pacing, it's going to be hard to translate that um, onto page. But if we're talking about cinematic um, mm, action packs, yeah, know, ending. Yeah, then then uh, definitely all for that. I mean, we talked about that before about uh, how the the great runs like Houston's um, and even uh, Monch's runs were quite cinematic sometimes, um, and and that's definitely a good thing. Um, f- finally, another uh, just a couple of other points. 
there was a question in the article as well about um, about team ups, and we've discussed before Connor about um, how at least Monch thinks um, Moon Knight should be teaming up or, or shouldn't be teaming up with the Marvel Universe, but um, it was no surprises to hear that Bemis said. Uh, you know, the likes of Daredevil and Punisher would be great to kind of uh, mix it with them because they've got their own kind of um, uh, insular world within within their, their own series. Um, I can definitely see that, uh, but he didn't give anything away as to who will guest star. Um, do you have any ideas who may guest star? Or who you want to see guest star? Mm. I mean, I'm kind of feeling Punisher, but I feel it may be more likely for Moon Knight to show up in Punisher's book than the other way around. Yeah, um, and they're old. Yeah, they're old yeah. partners, aren't they? They they cameo with each other, you know, every so often. I'd love for um Full Killer to make an appearance as a throwback yes. to his run. <laughs> that was exact. I was kind of uh, I was dangling in the carrot there for you, Connor, and I'm glad <laughs> to see that you got it. Uh, I, I think so as well. I'd love to see Full Killer there, especially after. Um, have you? Did you read the rest of Full Killer? No, or did you I have haven't finished to? it just yet. Okay, yeah, because I read. Um, I've read uh, one to four now because I think issue five's not available on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, but the first four issues, yeah, it's great, and uh, I'd love to see Full Killer. I mean, I don't know how Full Killer ends because I haven't read the last issue, but um, if he's still kicking around, I'd love to see him kind of at least drop by and say hello to Moon Moon Knight yeah. because they're both, uh, they're both a bit crazy, aren't they? Yeah, and I suppose uh, while we're talking about uh, the, the therapist, uh, Tommy from the Facebook group had an interesting point about Conchu here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I wonder if Conchu is going to serve as a therapist in this run. He's been the absent god, the tormentor, and the enemy over the last 10 to 12 years. Recognising that he, he may be battling Horus, Ra, slash Sun God, or whoever too, what what might his purpose be with this large and unique role Bemis is giving him? Yeah, that's a really a really thoughtful question, I think. Um, and, yeah, one, definitely. What are your thoughts on that, Connor? I love that. I think Concha had such an interesting role in the last run, and I... I Mm-hmm. I wasn't even expecting him to possibly show up in this run, so it's really interesting to see him again, and I definitely feel after sort of the bombshell Lemire run that their relationship will be entirely different. I don't think Mark's going to be anywhere near as dependent, so I think, you know, mm. possibly having that that kind of therapist example of possibly being stepped back or an ally more than sort of the the puppeteer while Mark's on the strings that we've seen in previous runs. Yeah, I think um, the way I see it as well, and it was a great point, um, speculation by Tommy, mm. I think like not only Lemire's run, but if it, even if you cast your mind back to previous runs as well and how Conchu is um, depicted there, he's he's literally like the little devil on the shoulder, right? Um, uh, I'm just getting um, flashbacks of um, Horitz's uh, run in Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have... Yeah, you have little Conchu on the shoulder, just kind of either egging him on or, or heckling him. Um, and now, it seems with Bemis's, uh, the tables have turned. Conchu is no longer in a position kind of of power, which, which we've seen in the Lemire run. Um, he's now kind of, he's up against something that is a big threat to him, uh, which is, is Horus, the sun god. Uh, so I reckon it'll be interesting to see Conchu in a um, kind of in a vulnerable position now. Yeah, uh, it would be. Yeah, and how how Moon Knight um, or Mark and Conchu work together 
potentially, um, or I, I don't know. I just I don't know how Bemis will, will handle it. But it'll be good to see if um, Conchu in a, in a different light uh, and actually have us rooting for him for once. You know, mm-hmm. um, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So that sort of covers that. We um, I brought up the sol- solicitations before, so we won't actually go mm-hmm. over that in discussion. But yes. November 8th, the first issue drops 188, and then uh, November 29th, 189. So, a bit of a way to go, but nonetheless, uh, crazy close, too. Yeah, we're almost in September, so it's not too much longer, but yeah, still a bit of a wait. Um, but having said that, that kind of segues nicely into Ooh. our next bit of news. Um, this came in kind of late, and it was um, kind of, it was. You and I, or did you see it beforehand? Um, Rebecca kind of pointed this out to us. Yeah, she's uh, over about... in um, uh, London Super Comic Con when she heard this news. Yeah, right. So she was actually there. Well, she she was like listening to the panel, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. First, that's first hand, uh, <laughs> first hand <laughs> account. But um, but the uh, article came out later on Bleeding Cool, uh, and. Uh, yeah, basically, it has Bendis announcing that Moon Knight will appear in the Defenders comic. So, you know, we have we have Moon Knight, um, well, a little bit still in Deadpool versus uh, kills the rest of the Marvel universe again, and it looks like he'll be popping up in the Defenders, which um, I think you called again as well, uh, previous episode. Yeah, he had talked about it on, um, like I think it was his own. Tumblr or Instagram or some social media account. Ah. He was talking about people showing up, and he's like, "Yep, Deadpool's gonna be there. Moon Knight's gonna be there." And uh, what the news we got is in the next arc, he wasn't very specific when he said next arc. Which in solicitations, the next arc, next arc is called Kingpins of New York, that starts with Deadpool in the first issue of that arc. So I think it is um, Kingpins of New York that Moon Knight will be appearing in. And to quote. Um, Rebecca quoted Bendis that uh, MK is going to be big time in the comics, so I think it's fair to Ooh, say it's one to be tracking on the show. Oh, definitely. We'll definitely be covering that news for you, loonies. Um, and also, uh, just a little heads up then, I guess, to be sure to, if you're not collecting it already, to maybe drop by and pick up uh, the Defenders issues coming up that might feature Moon Knight. That sounds really cool. Uh, yeah. he, he'll be coming up, might be coming up against the Kingpin. How cool is that? Moon Knight versus a Kingpin. <laughs> uh, I wonder if the last time was that uh, Purple Man issue we read a couple of weeks back. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> flew by. But, yeah, you're right. Um, that was the last time. He, he kind of tangled with him indirectly. He never kind of um, yeah. met him face-to-face. But, uh, look, Kingpin's one of my favourite villains as well. Uh, and it's only just augmented from uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's performance on the Netflix show. So um, this will be very interesting to, to see unfold. Yeah, I, I can't wait. It was such big news I wasn't expecting. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. All in. Um, right, well, moving right along as well, we've got some um, in another different kind of facet of Moonlight fandom. We got an announcement uh, from Diamond Select Toys. Yeah. Um, that... How cool is this? Uh, in 2018, I think it's in March 2018, um, they'll be releasing a 12-inch um, uh, resin statue of Moon Knight, uh, and it will be limited to 3,000 only, and you'll be given a certificate of authenticity in a full-color window box. Um, 
and uh, sculpted by none other than Jean Saint John. Do you do you know Jean Saint John, Connor? No, I, I totally just thought they said um, Jean Paul, but uh... ah, well, I don't know if he or she is, <laughs> is any good, but um, he or she sounds. They're right on top of their game. So, um, you and I have discussed this, Connor, as well. And look, I've never, I've never actually purchased any statues or actually toy figures uh, of comic book characters. But this is certainly one that I am going to be saving up for. Yeah, and it's pretty decently priced too. So it's a uh, 150 mm-hmm. US, which uh... yeah, it's uh, I, I put down in our notes here 200 Aussie, but it, it's probably a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, it's uh, you can order it now. So I think you have to be pretty quick. Uh, we'll post uh, we'll post the articles up on our show notes. But um, have a look. It's a really beautiful uh, statue and one that I have definitely got my eye on. So that's pretty cool. Uh, also, as well, just a um, a bit of back history and in the article. Uh, apparently, Bowen Designs um, had released toy or, or statues before, um, and this uh, Moon Knight statue is the first in, I think, over a decade uh, where they've actually released a statue of, of Moon Knight. So uh, it's been a long time between drinks, but... Um, yeah, I think I've even seen some people with that very old Moon Knight statue. Crazy. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure some of the loonies have posted it up on the, on the group. Um, there are a couple of really avid um statue and and figure collectors on the group which is great to see uh yeah and i reckon yeah i reckon those are the the bowen design statues that they talk about uh, there's also diamond select uh also um releasing there's a fair few they're releasing a homecoming spider-man um statue which is which looks pretty cool based on tom holland um there's also a couple of couple of coming soons as well, which is interesting. They've got a Black Panther movie action figure. Ooh. Um, have, did you see that in the article? It looks pretty cool. It's not a statue. It, it retails for like twenty five American dollars, so I'm assuming it's it's kind of just like a, an action figure. But um, that looks pretty exciting. And there's also Marvel Mini Mates Black Panther <laughs> movie box sets, which uh, they haven't released the figures, thank God, because um, I'm not too keen on on the toys kind of spoiling. Stuff. Yeah, Lego does that a lot. Mm. Leaks Lego sets. Yeah, which is yeah, it's not really good. So I try to stay clear of that, but uh, hopefully they can keep things under wrap. Um, and also, Connor, then the final bit of news. Yeah, on more affordable figures. Um, we have no idea about validation of this source. And it was only um one site who reported it. I think called Hot Twin News. But uh, it looks like there may be a prototype Mister Knight pop figure running around for your little uh office desks so yeah, yeah that's if that comes i'll t- i'll be on that like they're pretty cute they're pretty, pretty cute, cute. It, it's pretty simple because he's all white <laughs> um, it's hard to tell yeah i don't know whether this was someone who kind of custom made it and has kind of put it up as a as a rumor or um yeah whether it is indeed true but hey look we're here to report the news and uh we can only report what has been kind of released um uh, but take it with a grain of salt um and whether or not they do release a Moon Knight Funko Pop, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so that was a fair fair shot of news this week, actually. We've been really lucky. That's a gr- Loving it. Yeah, great Loving bit of every second. Yeah. Tell you what. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm scouring the internet every couple of days, hoping to pick up something new. But, um, yeah, we've been pretty fortunate, haven't we? Yeah. Alrighty. 
so uh, before we get into it, uh, well, let's just have a little listen to this. Okay, that was our little intro for the reviews. Uh, as always, we will be reviewing two comic books um, this podcast issue, uh, this podcast episode. <laughs> uh, we'll be continuing um, on with Jeff Lemire's and we'll do uh, an Invincible Iron Man one. So uh, just for, for new listeners, um, so the way that we're going to structure our reviews, um, we'll basically have uh, the bare bones, which is kind of like a, a pitch or a, a summary of the actual story. Uh, Connor and I will then um, announce our four aspects, um, which will be just like main points that we found interesting in the in the stories. Uh, and then finally, we will give it a rating out of a crescent darts. So uh, the first one that we have is Moon Knight Volume 8, uh, Greg Lemire's um, issue number four. And this is titled Welcome to New Egypt. It's part four of five. So it's just a continuation of what we've been reviewing the last few episodes. Uh, released the 6th of July, 2016, and has the supergroup of Jeff Lemire writing, Greg Smallwood on pencils, and Geordie Belair on colours. So, um, the bare bones of this issue um, is... As Mark, Gina, Frenchie and Marlene find themselves just outside of the asylum which had held them against their will, the group are confronted with another one of Amut's henchmen, Sobek. Although Gina is mortified by Mark hitting what looks to be a New York cop, Mark continues to attack Sobek and in the fray, Frenchie is fatally wounded. Mark subdues Sobek, but it isn't long before Frenchie dies. Gina spots her diner <laughs> through the sandstorm, uh, and so the remaining three head there for some respite. Mark is further plagued by Conchu's taunts, then both Mark and Gina are shocked at the sight of Marlene conscious and standing. Gina makes a decision to remain at the diner to wait for her two boys, Rick and Ray, whilst Mark and Marlene are drawn to investigate the Great Pyramid currently sitting in the middle of New York City. Uh, Marlene confides in Mark that she retains all her memories of them together in their past life, and the issue ends with yet another twist as Mark is hit by a crescent dart, revealing the classic Moon Knight, guarding the entrance to the pyramid and ready for battle. Bam. So yeah, another uh, pretty cool and uh, mind-warping issue there. <laughs> um, uh, just overall, Connor, first, did you like it? Did you like the uh, issue? Yeah, I think this has probably been my um, least favourite so far. Not, like, because it's bad. It's just kind of like a getting from A to B sort of issue for the mm -hmm. big climactic setup. And You need those issues, but I don't think it's, like, was as exciting as uh, issue one, but it's definitely it definitely set up a very exciting issue five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely travels. Um, going on from last uh, issue, I think, which I... I actually, I was in the same spot where you are now, Connor. I thought last issue was, yeah, it was kind of going through the paces. Um, and, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I think this issue is similar in tone, um, but it has a great reveal at the end. And it also has uh, quite an, uh, an impact with, I think, Frenchie dying. Um, yeah, it's got really so anyway, good touching moments. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and even the nice... Uh, 
anyway, let, let's get into the the, the aspects. Kind <laughs> uh, of. So what? Uh, yeah. What are your? What's your first aspect? First aspect. Only three pages in. Um, as Frenchie and unconscious Marlene, Gina and Mister Mart enter a, a sandy, apocalyptic New York in the in the third page when a. Mr. Knight is confronting a police officer who looks still mm-hmm. like a police officer, not a, not the croc- crocodile boy he turns out to be. A, there's this incredible page where Moon Knight sort of begins to doubt his visions as the uh, the sand in the air turns to water and it begins to rain. It's just this absolutely beautiful setup by a uh, small wooden Belair, and it's just wonderful the way the light glints off the water with the black background as it rains mm. down and the gorgeous water with the lights against it. It's oh. Just hit me. I was just there for a while watching. Yeah, it's very good, isn't it? Um, also, with the fact that the use again of white, which we've talked about mm-hmm. endlessly, about how um, how Geordie Belair, you, you've got to put it down to her, how she kind of leaves that white, um, and in that particular page, in the middle, it's kind of cut with uh, no panels and just the figures in white. Um, and it's kind of yeah, I think it's great. Um, the sand into rain, I thought was. Um, not only Belair and Smallwood, but I think it's a great piece of writing from Lemire. I, yeah, true. When I read, yeah, when I when I read this again, I was like, oh, all right, the, the sandstorm. How do you how do you kind of work that? Oh, yeah, it, it can be just seen as rain. Um, so, yeah, a really really uh, really clever little uh, thing that Lemire's done. But you're totally right. I love the the colours, the puddle there with the street lights. Just just looks great. It's almost. Uh, I don't want to say yeah. Vincent Vincent Van Gogh, but yeah, it is like it's um you got the yeah yeah you got the um the blue and the yellows and the oranges, which is great. Uh, what is your next aspect, Connor? My next aspect, for that being a, a little sh- uh, short one, is uh one we both have, which is uh Mark kicking the police officer, knowing him to be a someone not quite a police officer, turns out to be so mm-hmm. uh one of um Amut's um lackeys and uh he sadly takes um jean paul's life in a in a very yeah very violent yeah. attack by mr knight on the crocodile before we just see a very touching and silent close off to frenchy it was very unexpected wasn't it i, I didn't expect actually frenchy to die um and and yeah actually I, I didn't like he's one of the core members uh so the i remember first reading this just thinking, oh, that can't be real, can it? You know. So, again, we're we're kind of questioning if it's actually real or not. But he, you know, for the rest of the run, he's definitely dead. So, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it is a. It was quite a shock. I found quite a surprise. Uh, and another interesting thing with the uh, crocodile boy or the cop um, <laughs> was that. So Mark's got his mask on, right? And remember, when Mark has his mask on, he can see the reality, like what is real. Um, but in this one, interestingly enough, he does recognise it, but he pulls off the guy's face to reveal the crocodile. Yeah. So um, either um, Amut or, or, or Seth is being a lot more deceiving and, and cloaking themselves um, better, but it still doesn't fool Mark. I, I just find that a bit weird because, you know, typically in the previous issues, when he had the mask on, he sees them exactly for what they are. So um, I just found that, yeah. I don't oh, know I only noticed here, the actual mask here on um, yeah. on the mask where you first see is uh, Sobek's crocodile head. Is act- oh, the, that panel there is actually holding a human 
face mask as if that was covering a massive crocodile head. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he pull he pulls a mask off, um, and yeah. we didn't see that before. So I'm not sure if that has any meaning or not, but it uh, <laughs> it, it, it it sure didn't fool Mark or, or Mr. Knight in that instance. Um, so yeah, no, interesting and very sad. With um, yeah, which is a very innocuous thing. Um, Sobek just takes a bite, a little bite out of Frenchie's neck, um, which I guess is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that spurs on Mr. Knight to fully just pummel him. Uh, but yeah, not. Uh, not shortly after that, well, shortly after that, we see um, Frenchie, Frenchie depart, which is a bit sad. Um, how about your third aspect, Connor? Uh, my third aspect is, um, interesting enough, I'll let you touch on the uh, Gina point as we get to yours a bit later as well, but um, as it, it's sort of almost, it's like a sort of classic... Greek Odyssey, where as this issue progresses, Mark um, Mark sort of loses everyone. Everyone sort of goes the different ways as if, you know, the fifth issue is the final stop. This will be the final cr- confrontation with just Mark. And as we um, find Mark losing everyone, we actually see uh, Konshu take a very different character role here. He becomes, uh, in, a, in a toilet setting, very antagonistic. He's sort of been very giving Mark a lot of tough love in, in these mm-hmm. issues where he's sort of been spurring on, like, come on, Mark, you can do it. But here, he's just straight up, like, bullying and almost, ki- or, like, kicking a puppy to make it stand again. And it's, uh, I think it's furthered by the the use of red in, in this Gorgeous. page where you, you see the full shot, yeah, of Conchu. Uh, again, we get that, um, that, uh, the marker of, of, of red being, okay, there's something bad or, or something terrible. Um, uh, so Almut was dressed in red, Dr. Emmett had red hair, and when Mark was fleeing the hospital, he was in the stairwell, which was red. Um, and again, yeah, so we see Conchu just sitting on the toilet bowl, and as you say, yeah, rightly antagonistic towards him, um, trying to be, yeah, I think he's, he's really trying to direct Mark in a certain way. Um, because I like your point about it being an odyssey. You're totally right. We first lose Crawley um, to Anubis on the raft at the other void. Then Frenchie dies. Uh, and then Gina, you know, um, just amicably says, oh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang back. Um, yeah, you, you go on. It seems like, it seems like my, my purpose for this journey was actually to give you a bit of rest and to, to you know, give you some food to refuel. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, Conchu's a very brief, only a very brief um, uh, appearance in this issue. But uh, yeah, it's enough to, to kind of get Mark going. Yeah. <coughs> well, there goes my voice. All right, it's back. Back. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess my um, final point then is uh, on the two big reveals, the uh, the very awake Marlene and the... Um, and the big reveal of a moon, of uh, the classic Moon Knight at the end, very, very sort of almost chalk drawn more than anything else. But uh, I think just going straight back to Marlene once again, she proves she knows a lot more than anyone else seems to know about this place. Yeah, and she mentions that um, the further away she gets from the hospital, um, the more clarity she seems to have. So she's affected by you know this whole craziness as well. Um, but she definitely knows stuff. I mean, when, um, yeah, one, one of my points was, uh, when she, um, tells Mark, yeah, like she, she remembers everything. 
um, you know, and she feels compelled to go to the pyramid. So she she's actually directing Mark as well, which is always the case with Marlene. We've seen in even the old comics, Connor as well, how she kind of is the one to either save Mark from danger or, or kind of keep him on the straight and narrow, and she's doing it here again. Yeah, and uh, actually I, I like here with the um, art, actually, as we uh, flash back to Marlene telling Mark about, you know, remembering and knowing the path of uh, Moon Knight, that it's very um, Shinkovich-inspired, that sort of that flashback. I think it's just a very nice callback and very gorgeous. <laughs> Well, there's that one flashback as well, which calls back to that comic oh, yeah. that we, yeah, we reviewed not that long ago, Marvel Preview number 21, I think, which um, shows Mark uh, at the top of the page here flying down to save Marlene and um, what was his name? Lardner. I think it was Amos Lardner or his brother, um, Tony Lardner, the guy that ended up <laughs> having... All- Having yeah, having all those things out of his head and uh, and being almost kind of controlled with a remote control by that um, LeBlanc. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's a direct callback, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, rightly so. It's uh, uh, Sinkovich's uh, kind of inspired art there by Smallwood, and again shows how talented this guy is. I mean, he can just he can just shift his um, his textures and and his style just like that. Uh, I just wanted to note also as well, when we first see Marlene uh, awake, um, it's a really beautiful shot of Marlene. Very simple, but I love how Smallwood draws her face. Um, Yeah. It's a a certain angle, um, and I can only imagine... Um, he probably used someone to model it because yeah. it's there's a particular look, isn't it? Like she actually looks like a real person, like a real yeah. person. So, um, no, really and, good indeed. Yeah, and the very um, prominent uh, golden hair by well, blonde golden hair by Bel Air there, making it really yes. stick out. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, really, really beautiful art from both colorist and penciler. Um, so, just touching on my aspects. Uh, I think we've kind of overlapped it on a couple of them. But, uh, yeah, the death of Frenchie, which I thought was um, was quite shocking. I, in my notes, I put it as um, he dies quite innocuously. So, uh, you know, in that beginning, they're kind of fighting um, and there's a bit of a scuffle. And it was just, it came out of left field that uh, Frenchie somehow gets his neck in the way and, um, and Sobek bites his neck. So I found that, like... Uh, really shocking in that sense. Um, and, of course, when him dying, uh, I remember first reading it going, oh, gosh, he's a pretty big character to die. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you're kind of left questioning what's real and what's not. The whole the whole theme of, of Lemire's run, I think, is what is real and what isn't. So by having such a, an important character die, you don't want to believe it almost, um, but, but it happens. Um, my second aspect was Gina's diner. Um, Again, we touched upon this, but uh, I found it really nice, actually, how Gene um, is kind of quite driven to go there. Like, of all the craziness, you've got some jackals flying above you. You've got a huge pyramid, a sandstorm. There's a guy that has a crocodile face. Um, yet she's kind of like, oh, you know, let's go, let's go to the, to my diner and let's just, um, I, I can fix you a nice meal, you know. And it's it's there's something um, innocent and. Uh, really nice about it in that like she she doesn't stretch beyond her means she knows what she can do um and she knows what her role is to mark and uh when she finds a diner she just wants to do the best she can and and provide you know the best pancakes and coffee for mark so uh i thought that was that was quite quite nice uh nice touch actually um my third aspect was 
the big one, which is Marlene Awakening, um, and just how, yeah, how she retains all the memories that we initially thought from earlier on in the run um, was a figment of Mark's imagination. So it just gives a bit more validity that Mark is... Something is not totally right, you know? Mm. Mark... Mark is right in a sense. Um, so it's nice to have, it's comforting actually to have Marlene there going, yep, yep, um, this is all real, I believe you. Uh, and um, and having her kind of take the initiative as well and go, yep, um, let's go towards the pyramid. I feel, you know, I feel I have more clarity the, more, the closer I get to the pyramid. Um, so I thought Marlene was used very well here. I mean, because up to this point, she had no role, really, except for one or two words. Um, and finally, uh, my last aspect was the classic Moon Knight, the, the last page reveal. Uh, in my notes, I put in, you know, where to from here? You know, is that classic Moon Knight? Is that Conchu? I, I was quite confused when I first read this um, last year. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of wells up a lot of thoughts that you have you know it's mark kind of fighting himself figuratively but now you see it physically um oh yeah is it you know so it's it kind of works on a couple of levels and you know it's is it his other personality uh also as well what the hell is in that pyramid um, yeah so, and uh, is he guarding like, it or oh, trying to get in yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, are the answers all in there? And um, if he is guarding it, why doesn't he want to let Mark know, or Mister Knight know what's in there? Because he's Moon Knight as well, isn't he? So uh, you know, it's all a bit of a, all bit of a mind boggle. But I found it a really good way to to end that um, last issue, uh, issue four. Sorry. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, this is available on uh, Marvel Unlimited. Uh, it's been released as single issues. It's in the trade of um, Volume 1 of Lemire's run. Um, and uh, am I missing anything out? Uh, did Comixology as well. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, out of this, what would you give the rating for, for this issue? Kind of? um, oh, this is a tough. I think I'm going to give it a probably a 4.5 or a 5. I, I'm not too sure, you know, sort of rereading. I kind of... Love it a bit more than maybe even the first time I went through it. Loving it a lot. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like another fantastic issue. And while I did say, you know, it's a this very sort of A to B issue, it's probably the finest example of a of an A to B issue you could ever have. And I think Lemire's <laughs> character work always shines through with, the, with all these touching and surprising and shocking moments throughout. So yeah, definitely a, yeah, probably a strong 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, um, he definitely does round out the characters, doesn't he? And, and you get a sense of each and every one of them. Even Crawley was so well fleshed out before he was kind of left behind. But now we get like, um, Gina, who was really fleshed. I really love the, the scene in the diner. And, uh, Marlene as well. She's starting to kind of develop in this. Um, I would give it, uh, what did I give last one? I think I gave last one four crescent darts. I'd give this one, I'd give this one a four out of five as well again. Okay. I think, um, I think it's still, it's still totally up there. Like it is a, it, you know, the only bad thing about Lemire's books, I think, is that sometimes you can burn through them quite quickly. Yeah. I think it's because you, you tend to enjoy them so much. I mean, that's how I feel. And, um, this, this issue seemed to fly by for me. Like, uh, you, you can basically, um, segmented into like acts, right? So the first act was them standing outside meeting Sobek and, and Frenchie dies. Second act is in Gina's diner um, with a with a little bit of conchu in there, and then the third act is a uh, well, 
a third smallish act is them actually getting to the to the pyramid. Um, so very like a very simple kind of structure, but it's more. I feel it's the the characters that Lemire really fleshes out and really makes it interesting, as well as the whole kind of what the hell is happening <laughs> um, yeah. theme. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yep. so I was yeah, just um, gonna add as a sorry. little note, <laughs> mm-hmm. a little note yeah. here actually that I love at the end um, when um, Moon Knight makes an appearance. The the page before his reveal, uh, Mister Knight gets a. Uh, crescent dart thrown at him and um in the very sort of 80s throwback the background is completely washed out to just a just a purple while he's hit in the face with a thock that's a very sort of 80s thing where the background always cut out as fists were flying or someone was being hit that's a very good point actually i didn't notice that until you started mentioning it and yeah that's the that's the only panel that has like a vibrant color right so geordie belair does she does brilliantly you know brilliantly um you know, with her tones, and, and there's a green-grey tone outside um, New York. In the diner, it's predominantly kind of a blue-grey um, tone. In the bathroom, it's red. But, yeah, that purple has come out of totally nowhere. That is a very, yeah, that's quite interesting. And, and yeah, the, the very comic or cartoonish thock um, as he gets him. So, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Uh, also... Sorry, just looking as well. A little final note, just a panel above it as well. Again, I've got to, I've got to um, shout out Smallwood's amount of detail yes. that he puts. My God, that's a pyramid, and he's drawn every single bloody stone brick. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So anyway, yep. Um, so issue four, another another fantastic issue. Looking forward to the last chapter um, for the next run. Yeah, issue. Uh, the next issue. Issue five of five of the Welcome to New Egypt arc. Very mm, exciting. That will, yeah, that will, yeah, that will round out that first arc, which is um, still got a lot of questions, but um, yeah, uh, entertaining nevertheless. Uh, okay, let us head on. Connor, we have a second comic book to review. Yeah, this is uh, Iron Man, Volume 1, Issue 161, If the Moon Man Shall Fail, released on the 10th of August, 1982, written by Dennis O'Neill. Uh, penciled by Luke McDonald, um, inks by Al Milgram and Esposito Michelle Mitchell. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> colors by um, colors by Bob Sharpen. Uh, lettered by Rick Parker and covered by Ed Hannigan and Al Milgram. Uh, for our for our little uh, bare bones, a little pitch. We have a uh, Tony Stark, Stephen Grant, another rich millionaire, uh, Miss Sissy Host too. Yep, I love are invited <laughs> to uh, to invest in an innovative new uh, initiative, Project Neptune, an experimental underwater power generating facility. It's not long before AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics, hijack Project Neptune for their own nefarious purposes, and the three investors are greeted by the evil organisation as they arrive at the facility. Stephen Graham puts up a valiant fight but is overcome by AIM, and in the confusion, Tony Stark manages to slip away and don the Iron Man suit. As Iron Man prepares to confront AIM, they escape using the facility's escape pods before he has a chance to encounter them. Rigged to repel intruders, Iron Man battles a maintenance robot to the facility, but not before one of the robots rips open an airlock, flooding the room. As Iron Man is stuck trying to prevent the whole facility flooding, Stephen Grant discovers the name of one of the facility's designers, Daryl Flowers, holds the key to accessing the emergency circuits of Project Neptune, and to effectively save the day. Seemingly in an act of selfishness, Stephen Grant takes the last escape pod and disappears. 
Little do they know, Stephen Grant then changes to become Moon Knight, and as the White Avenger, he searches for Daryl Flowers to save those trapped in Project Neptune. After some street-level interrogation and conversation with some of his contacts, Moon Knight finds Daryl Flowers, and with Daryl on the radio to Project Neptune, Iron Man and the others are able to prevent the facility from flooding completely. Iron Man then quickly flies to the Prince Street, where AIM have mentioned they were headed off to, and closes the adventure by neatly disabling AIM with some good old fisticuffs. <laughs> yes, it, it definitely did wrap up rather quickly. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I guess the important bit was uh, just the, the kind of indirect team-up between the two. Yeah, just sort of both there in a, in a time of crisis. Mm, two billionaires and uh, and Mrs. Sissy Host the second. <laughs> Richer than both of them combined. Yeah, and uh, and just a, well, and snarkier than both of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, my friend. Did you want to lead us off with sort of your general feeling of the issue and your aspects? Yeah. So I look, I, I enjoy this uh, issue as well, considering it's not a Moon Knight book um, per se. He just guest stars in it. Uh, look, and I've got no problems with Iron Man. I, I love Iron Man as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought this was this was great um, for the for the time that it was written. What was it? Um, 82? 1980, 80, 82, Okay, um, it was it was kind of really well paced. I thought, uh, and like you only have to go to the second page where it kind of gets straight into it with the the uh, um, sabotage or, or aim taking Project Neptune hostage. So I thought it was really good. Now, what did you, what did you think of it? Uh, this is probably like my favorite Iron Man era where it went from, I think around the issue 100, it goes, uh, Michelle and, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, then it goes, uh, O'Neill's run and then Michelle and again, it's kind of this big long running of 100, 200 issues of classic Iron Man. It has like the demon in a bottle arc. It has, ah. uh, the introduction of Rhodey, introduction of him becoming then War Machine and the, um, Armor Wars, so yeah, it's a classic period, and re- um, reading it first back in the day on Marvel Unlimited, I think this was one of the first reads I actually ever got with uh, Moon Knight before I did the the uh, Houston run. So yeah, oh, I'm, wow. I'm a big fan. Yeah. All right, so you've read a lot of the like, a lot of the issues before and after this as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a it's cool. a really favorite um, Iron Man era. It's it's definitely a lot of fun. I um I'm a a lot more familiar with uh, the 90s Iron Man. I did collect Iron Man for a while during the 90s. Um, but yeah, this yeah. one I was unfamiliar with, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Steve, oh, not Steve, Tony. Tony doesn't really... <laughs> oh, gosh, that was a... <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so sacrilegious. Um, Tony doesn't come across too arrogant in it. In it. If anything, yeah. uh, Stephen Grant does. <laughs> or, or And Miss, uh, Sissy Host does as well, actually. So, um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really fun read, I thought. Um, my, my first aspect was basically, uh, this is kind of classic, I guess, classic Iron Man in the sense that he's still got the secret identity, right? So you can probably, um, info, you know, um, talk to this a bit more, kind of, but, so he has a secret identity and he still has to, I guess, just physically carry a briefcase around, uh, with his costume in there. <laughs> I don't know how his costume fits all in there and he has to physically change. Um, so I know, I just like that old classic, uh, you know, uh, I have to ch- I have to I have to whisk myself away and get changed. Yeah, very classic superhero compared to the movies of like the sudden start up button press of his suit. Mm. Well, even also, did you have you read um is it Extremis or I think it's around that time? Not in where... a while actually. No. 
Okay, but it's almost like he has like um, nanites or something in his skin. Um, oh. Or some, uh, Iron Man fans, please uh, pull me up on this. But <laughs> it's almost like uh, what current day uh, Peter Parker has in The Amazing Spider-Man. It's kind of this uh, uh, viscous substance that kind of he can just call it on, on a whim and it, it covers him and he turns into Iron Man. Uh, it's, it's a very, I think it's a very uh, <laughs> neat way of, of getting... <laughs> Heroes to change into costume. Um, I've I much prefer this. Basically, as clunky as it is, I much prefer Tony Stark going. Oh, bugger! I've got to I've got to go somewhere, and I've got to get. Give me give me a few minutes to get changed. I much prefer that. Um, yeah. Well, uh, how about your? We'll go to your aspect, Connor. Oh, okay. Well, I'm getting I'm getting yep. two starts. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll bounce. <laughs> let's bounce. Let's bounce between. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I like your okay. aspects. That's why. Well, after after a little introduction with uh, Stephen Grant, uh, Miss Sissy Host the second, and uh, uh, Tony Stark will being a bunch of rich billionaires in the underground facility, and uh, Stephen Grant sort of try- giving a good effort but failing the fight against AIM. I think possibly intentionally without his Moon Knight mm-hmm, costume. Yeah. Uh, AIM quickly makes an escape in a whole two pages from the facility. Mm-hmm. As a kind of not their villains, and then uh, Iron Man faces a a, gal- a gauntlet of uh, robot enemies, which are all pretty funny with a lot of snark behind them in this little fight. Yeah, a little, a little bit of fun, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the um, the classic action scenes you want in a comic. Uh, just generic uh, enemies, generic robots, easily <laughs> disposable, and, and just to see Iron Man dispose of them in different ways. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, just kind of flicking through there now. Uh, yeah, they all they all are kind of different, aren't they? Like one of them grabs him and and just tries to hold him. Uh, the other one's more magnet driven, um, and he's got to kind of um, point his repulsor ray to to stop it. And and the other and the other two are kind of more uh, humanoid. So yeah, just a bit of fun. I think it's um I think it was great, and it actually. Fills up that, and uh, when Moon Knight uh, later goes onto the streets and and beats up a few yeah. thugs, that kind of satiates our um our want for for fight <laughs> scenes in the comic book. I think, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's got like a very classic old eighties line of the sure do the biggest Jack in the Box I've ever seen, probably the meanest <laughs> too. Just stuff like that yeah. always gets me. Yeah, yeah, you you, you got to love the commentary, and if you look at it like as well, geez, he talks a lot. I thought Spider Man talked a lot when he fights. <laughs> uh, Iron Man's just like chattering away while he's uh while he's fighting these things, so he can multitask, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, my uh, my second aspect um, will bounce back is basically the three millionaires. I, I thought it was great, um, and how they were each each uh, used efficiently for the story. Uh, now the first two, Tony Stark and Stephen Grant, are obvious because they're our heroes, Iron Man and Moon Knight. But actually, I have to give it to um, Mrs. Sissy Host the second, although she was a a, a crusty, decrepit, grouchy woman. <laughs> um, the the writer was it O'Neill. He he wrote her specifically, I think, to garner. Um, uh, to kind of play off against Stephen Grant. So you know how there's only like one escape pod left? Yeah. Um, and she's old and she's kind of almost having a seizure or a heart attack. Then as a reader, you're going, okay, well, obviously 
we should give it to to her because you know she's you know she's um, the oldest and you know she needs the most help. So when Stephen Grant goes, no, 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 give me the give me the escape pod, and he jumps in and and shoots off, um, you kind of think, wow, <laughs> that's uh, that's not the best form, you know. So um, I, I think the three millionaires. Uh, um, uh, really used well by O'Neill uh, as a as a, um, a storytelling tool. Yeah, I, that that was my other that was my second aspect as well. Just sort of uh, all the billionaires and Stephen Grant playing off them as a as a, a lovable dick. You know, he's even from the start. You know, he's talking about being here for the ride, not actually looking to buy anything. And yeah, uh, yeah. like the escape pod to go to the service to get his costume is kind of classic here. But I also just love Iron Man mid battle. Tony's totally just bantering up with Stephen Grant, kind of making comments about how obnoxious he is. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah, and again, it's so weird because you know we're used to these days Tony Stark being the the real kind of dick. Um, so it's it's cool to see Stephen Grant kind of do that instead. Um, yeah, no, it was a uh, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a uh, it's funny seeing. Oh, I forgot my point, Connor. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, yeah, he's a he's a he's a lovable dick. So good old good old Stephen Grant. Um, yeah. Uh, my third point would be uh, later on in the issue. Uh, so as Stephen Grant um, steals the pod and he flies off, but but we know he's got another reason. Uh, he's gonna as Moon Knight. He can actually help um, help out. So. My third aspect was basically the str- showing again the street connections that Moon Knight has, and I think this is very much um, uh, part and parcel of of the type of superhero Moon Knight is. I mean, it, it's you get the same with Dead Daredevil's very similar as well. Is that he has to use his street um, street wise or, or street wiseness? What's the what's the um, street wisdom? He has to use his street yep. wisdom. Um, to to find out information, so uh, so he uses his resources. He's got Frenchie. He's got he's got a little entourage. He's not as lone wolf as we like to think. He's got Frenchie. Um, he he questions a few thugs. Uh, he, he questions his contact Crawley on the street, um, and he relies on them to actually get the information on Daryl Flowers. And it's because of them that he actually tracks down Daryl Flowers and and inevitably, um, you know. Saves the day. Really? It's actually yeah. It's actually Mooney that saves the day here. Yeah. Um. A, a wine man kind of holds back a uh, <laughs> you know, tons of few tons of uh, ocean ocean water, but other than that, um. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, that uh, leads on to my like third and fourth aspects, where just you know we've we've sort of bounced around with different issues of not not really Moon Knight's own run and different creators sort of basing off their own view of Moon Knight. And this is sort of the one where I feel they've gotten him most right out of all the classic issues we've read where, you know, there's just sort of that roguishness about him. And I love the fight scene where he sort of talks about, um, you know, I'm rather good at making trouble myself. And that sort of playful banter is sort of what would almost later become and already in the character being the sort of, you know, I wear white so they see me coming sort of mm. troublemaking fun. And I think he actually uses what I didn't even expect at all, Frenchie and Crawley, to really good effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, O'Neill really has, it seems like he's got a really good hold of um, of Moon Knight, the character, yeah. which 
Unfortunately, in some um, other comics where Moon Knight is guest starring, he becomes very tropey. He becomes just, yeah, you know, he's either just one aspect or he's some crazy dude or he becomes, yeah, I dare dare say it, like a Batman-esque type mm-hmm. of villain or he, um, hero. But I think O'Neill, yeah, really does, um, does ride him well with this. And what I found interesting with this um, getting Moon Knight right is also... Um, it's not that often that you get um, you get Moon Knight centered around Stephen Grant. I mean, he's always there, yeah, but it's true. always yeah. It's kind of like Mark Spector, or it's easy to go to Jake Lockley because he's the the guy on the street. You know, um, rarely do you see you know Moon Knight based around Stephen Grant, and and here we got um, him, the millionaire or billionaire. Um, potentially investing in this facility. So it, it's kind of weaved around uh, that persona of Moon Knight, and I thought that was really good. Yeah, I, I, I just love, yeah, it, it really gets the streetwise sort of look as well. And my fourth and final aspect is sort of a just a small one to end on, the fact that uh, crawling, Crawley's the MVP here. Without Crawley, everyone would have died. It was only because Crawley had contacts on the street that he's able to find Daryl Flowers when... Moon Knight, or Moon Knight had was dead end. So yeah, Crawley, mm-hmm. so Crawley. It just goes to show you can have three really rich people, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it comes down to the uh, the man on the street or, or the the everyday fella that can kind of actually get get things get things going. So um, yeah, no, definitely. My my fourth aspect was um, I love this tale in the fact that it's a classic um, of. You see it time and time again, but of like, you know, a small group, they're stuck somewhere and there's a race against time. So um, for this tale, um, they're stuck in this underwater facility, uh, just a group of uh, millionaires and and some crew, but also um, the water that Iron Man has to kind of keep at bay from flooding the whole facility. Uh, There's a time pressure for for, um, Moon Knight, for Stephen Grant, to actually try and find the answer. Which, funnily enough, is just a bloke who knows what the emergency circuits are. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what that means, but uh, but uh, it's it's convenient that he's kind of like the key to the lock as well. Um, just also as well, just just as an aside, I'm just thinking it's it's really funny how the three millionaires. Um, you know, we we look at it now in a more realistic way, and and reading back on it, it's uh, it's it's easy to kind of you know pick apart some of the stuff. But I just found funny how three of them, you know, these very important rich people, go and look at this facility. Uh, but there's only the three of them, right? Um, being escorted yeah. by the the staff. Like, where's the security? Where's the you know? Where, where's where's all the the entourage that would come with them? Um, but you know, uh, that aside, this is a this is a pretty good tale, actually, and and I do like the fight scene. Um, Moon Knight just taking on the thugs. It's very simple, but you see him quite acrobatic, um, and it's always good to see him kick ass. Yeah, I, I, that's what I like about it. Well, it's very one and done. It's very like three arcs set up within the within the uh, yes, like you know the introduction, complication, climax. You know, it's just it's just set up really well and has a uh, just has Moon Knight getting in the fray. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's just the last bit, but I'll actually I'll leave that to uh, Connor. We we got an email, yes. which is great. We got an email from Daniel. So Send thank more you, Daniel. If you want. 
Yeah, please. Uh, loonies, uh, Daniel's one of our um, dedicated loonies. Yes. Loonies out there, please send in your email or, or tweets or, um, or posts, uh, comments on the Facebook page. But Daniel sent an email and he kind of summed up the, the last bit I was thinking about. He goes, uh, well, first, this was my first time reading an Iron Man comic. I thought it was pretty great. I loved how Stephen Grant just noped out <laughs> of the underwater station with the sole escape pod. That was actually hilarious. But the real hero of this issue is Crawley. Ah, exactly yep. like you, Connor. Uh, without his intel, everyone in the station might have died. Uh, it was also funny how Iron Man just happened to know where the only abandoned building <laughs> in the area was to find the bad guys. The one thing I did not find so great, the bad guys' aim. Yep. Overall plan was not well thought out. Uh, I would have liked to see Moon Knight join Iron Man at the end, beating them up. I I would say the same, Daniel. Yeah, I, there was... I'd, uh, yeah, there was a level of separation for them, wasn't there? So they both had almost separate adventures um, in in the book. Um, you know, no complaints. But yeah, it would have been good to see. I mean, on, on the cover, you see them both together. So you're kind of led astray a little by the cover, hoping that they're you know that you see both of the costumed heroes together fighting or you know fighting some some evil enemy. But um. Yeah, I, I agree. The bad guys' aim, um, their plan was very um, was very loose, Connor. Yeah, I, there was such a, a such a non-villain that it kind of didn't matter. It could have been anyone. It could have just been like a person aboard the station wanting to sabotage it. Yeah, like, they, they were very much. Yeah, exactly. I think they were just totally used by O'Neill as just an instigator, a catalyst for for what was to come. Um, you know, the main bad people were well, the main bad were the maintenance robots and and the thugs on the street. I, I thought, but um, it's always good to see Aim um, beaten and Iron Man. He's just isn't he super? He's just found the warehouse, <laughs> and it was so great of Aim to announce to everyone that they were going to go to Prince Street, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Thanks for that again, Daniel. Thanks for the email. Yes, thank you uh, so Connor, much. Yeah, it, it was great. We we do appreciate them, and um, please send um, send them through, um, and we're more than happy to to read them out and to discuss. Um, Connor, Crescent Dart rating for this? Yes, I think uh, just on sort of its own merits, and you know, obviously, you know, it's when it comes to like a rating scale, it's kind of hard to compare what the eighties comic and a new release Lemire comic will sort of get. But I think I think this still has a lot of fun merits. You know, my only real complaint is that sort of n- the non-villain of AIM, but I just love this comic, you know, out of all the ones before, just getting Moon Knight so right and the playful banter at the start. I think it's a I think it's a strong uh, four out of four out of five crescent darts. Ah I would uh I'd have to agree with you on that one as well. I'd give it four crescent darts yes. as well. I found it yeah, I found it quite enjoyable. I it actually has made me interested to actually read more of these Iron Man issues around this era. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to hit you up later on for uh, <laughs> suggestions for that. But, yeah, I found it great. The, the story was well told. Um, it's easy for this era around the 80s to, to write, to overwrite or what we're used to now. Um, so it's easy to have a lot of writing and dialogue in there, but this one doesn't, which I think is really good. Um, the beats are pretty are pretty consistent and uh, it, it keeps on going. Um, and look, you know, things fall to the wayside like aims, true intentions, or, or you know, plans. But you know, that's that's by the by. Um, uh, the fun bit is actually seeing Iron Man um, and Moon Knight, you know, 
together, at least as millionaires. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't I can't fault it. Four out of four out of five crescent darts. For yeah. Me. Yeah. All right. So, Well, um, that pretty much wraps up our reviews. Um, what we have now, uh, I guess, what's happening next week? Next week, yeah. Well, we're <laughs> going to start a, a, uh, our, our own little character spotlight on a very classic uh, enemy with the uh, Morpheus. We'll be doing, of course, the Lemire's Moon Knight issue five. Keeping up with our current run, but we'll be diving back into our first of the uh, Munch run with Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 12, the uh, first appearance of Morpheus. That should be great, I think. Um, and, and that's the first part of, I think there's um, a couple of parts to the Morpheus arc, but uh, yeah, that'd be great. It'll be good to wrap up the Welcome to New Egypt um, arc by Lemire. So looking forward to that next week as well. Uh, but also, yeah, we, we have discussed uh, character spotlights. So I'm looking forward to, to diving right into um, really profiling Morpheus. Uh, I know there's a, a couple of loonies out there that um, really do like Morpheus as a villain. I find him quite interesting. Um, so we're going to have to do our homework, Connor, here and, uh, and come up with the goods. Yeah, not, not get anything wrong. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, well, um, before we wrap that up as well, oh, I might just say, um, yeah, so basically, uh, just a reminder as well, uh, we are on WordPress, so www.intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, please have a look there, uh, and if you haven't yet, just join the mailing list, and you'll be sure to get any um, any blogs, uh, any posts, uh, emails straight to you. Uh, you can also find us on email at moonnightpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We have a uh, Facebook page now, which is uh, facebook.com slash ITK... Uh, one sec. <laughs> <laughs> um, ITK Moon Knight. Uh, and also we have uh, where we've kind of started. We have the Facebook group, uh, Into the Night, uh, a Moon Knight fan base. And I actually changed the address to that, Connor. So it's um, facebook.com slash groups slash into the night. Awesome. So that's easy to remember. Um, we're also on Twitter, uh, ITK Moon Knight. On SoundCloud, as well as all um, your good podcast catches. I've also just added, uh, and look, I won't, look, we won't be on this. Um, too frequently, but I've also added Instagram and Tumblr. So if you have a look for Into the Into the Night podcast or something along those lines, um, you'll catch us on Instagram and Tumblr. The only reason why I've added, well, one of the main reasons I've added Instagram was I wanted to follow one of our loonies, Richard. He uh, he's got a really good Instagram account where he reviews comics. Um, it's uh, Sydney Comic Book Guy. So give that a uh, give that a a look. Uh, and he reviews consistently all like a massive amount of comics, which is really great. I uh, I dug up some of the Moon Knight reviews that he did, and I posted them up on our Facebook group, so you can catch it there as well. Um, have I missed? Oh, have I missed anything out, Connor? No, I think that's it. Uh, once again, a big thank you to everyone who talks to us on the group, all the love yes. stuff. Thank you, Daniel, for the email. Just uh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you all for listening. It's a good time. 
Yeah, it's really great. Actually, just one one other thing. Uh, you can't shut me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well, just um, to let you know, if you do join the mailing list, uh, there's something that we've got called Over the Moon. So yes. that usually comes out on uh, Tuesday evening, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, and it basically gives you up or just reminds you um, for the two issues that we'll be reviewing in the upcoming podcast. So um, Over the Moon will come out uh, in a few days' time and it will just, just be a reminder that we're doing Issue 5 from Lemire's run and um, the introduction to Morpheus. So so please, yep, if you can subscribe, that would be great. Uh, we've got just one other thing, Connor, um, which I think is quite special. Oh, I was actually quite chuffed at this. I was, yeah, I was saying we've got a nice little uh, song to end on. Yeah, we, we actually... Um, I want to thank so much uh, none other than Max Bemis himself. I uh, managed to to tweet at him, um, and he kindly responded. Um, so I asked if I could play one of his songs, because as we mentioned before, Max Bemis is a lead singer of a group called Say Anything, um, and you can find the links to his band, as well as uh, a couple of links to his song, which we're about to play. So I asked Max, and I actually asked him as well what, what song would be um, suitable for Moon Knight, and he has suggested Give a Damn, which uh, is off their 2016 album. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've put the links to um, the song on Spotify for you, on our show notes, as well as the YouTube version, so you can actually watch the music video. But uh, as for something a little different, Connor, and, and thanks once again to Say Anything and to Max Bemis, um, I think we'll, we'll uh, go out to the song Give a Damn. So before we do that, um, catch you later. See you next time. And Connor? May Conchu look after the denizens of the night. Bye, thanks guys. so much. Thanks again. <laughs> See ya.
Moonite and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.